so, so amazing what God is doing in our times. And I just love uh, what he just did in Quebec last, last weekend. Um, the church that we were in on Sunday morning was so hungry, just like this church right here, so hungry for the more of God. And people responded in extraordinary, amazing ways. It's like being with a group of people who are passionate about the presence and nothing else will do. That's who we are, right? We're passionate about the presence of Jesus. Can I just say what's obvious? The movement of Jesus is continuing. It's happening in Alberta. It's happening across Canada. It's, it's happening in our lifetime. And we're going to see even greater things than these. We're living in a moment when the kingdom of God is surging forward. And we believe that he's doing it right here right in this region, and I'm so thrilled about what Jesus is up to. And today I want to speak for a brief moment on this thing called the movement of Jesus. And I want to ask the question, what kind of people is God looking for, for that movement? What kind of men, what kind of women, what kind of teenagers, what kind of families is God looking for who will be part of the movement of Jesus in this world. And I want to go into the book of Acts, where we've been camping out these days in our series on the first 12 chapters. You can turn to Acts chapter 4 if you have a Bible. By the way, last week, Pastor Greg brought an amazing message. Who was blessed by his message last weekend? So awesome. And I encourage you to listen to it if you haven't. And I just also want to encourage you to to be praying for the people who were baptized today. Can we celebrate again a whole bunch of baptisms? Yeah. And I'm just asking you to join with me tomorrow night at our annual meeting. we got things to share that are awesome concerning our future. You don't want to miss out on it. We're going to be rolling out something that's very, very special tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So Acts chapter 4, we're picking up where Greg more or less left off. Verse 23, and I'm going to read it for us here. Here we go. Words will be up on the screen. You guys ready? Say, go for it. All right. You said, go for it. Here we go. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, can you guys say boldness? boldness. With all boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke the word of God with? Say it again, with? Boldness. God is looking for people who want to be part of a movement that started in the book of Acts. It is continuing on today. We are part of that movement. Every group of believers that is pressing in for all of the kingdom can claim to be part of that movement. And as we look at this passage just briefly here today, I think it's asking us a few questions. And I think it's giving us some great answers. I think it's showing to us the kind of people that God is looking for. And I want to share three things with you about that. The first is this. God is looking for people who are willing to be faithful. Let me say that again with excitement. God is looking for people who are willing to be faithful. Are you one of those people? You're a faithful follower of Jesus. You're faithful to the name of the Lord. You're faithful to your calling. You're faithful to your mantle, to your assignment. You're faithful to the things of God. I think Peter and John really demonstrated this. They were responding in faithfulness when they were persecuted really that day in Acts chapter 4 after this amazing healing happens. The man who's 40 years old, right, at Temple Gate Beautiful, He's been there his whole life begging for alms every day for 40 years. Everybody's seen him, but that one day his life changes. He gets healed by Jesus. And so this causes a great stir for the apostles. And it, it, it says this huge crowd came around in Acts chapter four. They, they're like, what's going on here? And they're asking questions like, whose name is this happening under? Where did you get your power to heal this man? And Peter and John give testimony about that. And there's all these leaders who are concerned. Religious leaders are saying, in effect, what are you doing in our town? (laughs) Why are you up to this? Why, Why are you speaking so much in the name of Jesus? It tells us there in chapter four, verse one, that the Sadducees came upon them. Then later on in verse five, there's the elders, the rulers, the scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. They took Peter and John, put them in custody. Basically saying, enough, enough healing, enough preaching about Jesus. Next day they brought them out and they put them through an inquisition. Why are you doing this? What are you up to? Whose name are you doing this in? And they basically said to them, would you please be quiet? No more talking about the kingdom of God. No more talking about Jesus Christ. And we read this in verse Number 19, it says, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They're being faithful, under pressure, under threat. Probably they're thinking, you know what? We might be going to heaven ourselves here very quickly. Wasn't long before this, they crucified Jesus. The Romans initiating that, the the, the people of Israel participating in that. We're talking about faithfulness in a culture that is opposed to the things of God. God is looking for faithfulness in our lives. I really believe that 
in these days that we're looking in, uh, looking or that we're living in, I really believe that God is probing our hearts to see who of the followers of Jesus will be faithful to the end. And I mean really faithful. I mean no compromising. I mean no hidden areas of our life that are that are not being touched by Holy Spirit. Faithfulness really matters. And it matters because we're living in a toxic culture right here. And I think as you demonstrate faithfulness in your life, there's going to be moments when people will cancel you out of the culture. They're just going to say, we don't want what you're saying. We don't want you to be associated with us. You're too bold. You're too radical. You're too confident about what you know and who you believe in. It's going to happen to some of us as we live out faithfulness in our own lives. And I want to say this, that the culture that we're living in is in serious trouble. It's so toxic. It's so toxic. There's toxic views of humanity that are now embedded all over the place. We see it in the education system where there's some schools that are going out of balance with their whole view of what children are and how they've been made by God. And let me just say this as I, as I explain this position that we have. I want to be really clear. We love all people. We respect all people. We welcome all people to come and be here. And we want them all to experience the grace and power and love of Jesus. And we also hold to a biblical view of how God has made us as humans. We hold to the word of God, which says that he made them male and female, made in his image, made by God, biologically male, biologically female at birth. And we believe that God's word is teaching us that that is what he has set in motion, two genders, and that our genders are given to us in the way we were created by God. And so we find our fulfillment, we find our completeness in aligning ourselves to God's design. And we know people struggle with these things and we're here to help. But we want to be really clear that God has a blueprint for humanity. And there's a blessing when we align ourselves to that. So we believe when it comes to marriage that God-honoring marriage is only between one biological man and one biological woman in a covenant that lasts a lifetime. Am I preaching to anybody here? We got to be faithful. We got to be faithful to the design of the creator. And I'm not saying that that's not under attack. It is. And we have to stand firm on what we believe and love people and work our way through all kinds of challenges and issues, but we will remain faithful to the word of God. God is looking for people who will be faithful even under pressure. Here's the second thing that we're going to notice here in this passage. God is looking for people who want to access heaven now. Heaven on earth, here and now. And you see this in this passage here in the way that these people were praying. I mean, this prayer um, is just monumental. In fact, it's been many messages given on the prayer in, in Acts chapter 4. The believer's prayer, right? They're bold. They come together in one accord, homothumadon. They're all together, like in one location, and they're praying this incredible prayer. And I've taught through this before, and I believe that this is one of the great prayer examples in the Bible. 
And you can look at it intensely and build a great prayer ministry out of it. Today, I want us to look a little deeper, go underneath the prayer and ask ourselves the question, what was the motivation for this kind of praying? What, what made them pray so boldly? I believe it was that they wanted to access the realm of heaven. And that desire to access the realm of heaven gave them a passion to call out to the Lord in a prayer that I would call a sovereign supplication. Can you remember that? Sovereign supplication. And we'll look at that in a moment. But it's not your average prayer. In fact, in verse 31, when it says, when they prayed, that's the only time that prayer is mentioned. And it's not a typical word for prayer. It's deomai, which means a declarative intercession, a supplication, a bold request that you make known to God. And there's other words for prayer in the Bible. There's prayer and worship words like, like uh, proskuneo, when you kneel down and worship God. And there's intimacy-based worship praying. That's all part of it too. But this passage says that the prayer was very focused. It was like, God, we are coming after the realm of heaven. And we want to, to know that we're being heard by you. And we've got specific things that we're going to ask of you. Deomai. Sovereign supplication. I want you to just take a look at five elements that I've given here in this message here. Five distinct parts to a sovereign supplication. It really is built around this. God is creator. God is ruler. God is sovereign. God is accessible. And God is all-powerful. Wow. That is all in that prayer. God is creator. Right? They, they say that at the very beginning. Lord, you have created the heavens and the earth. In other words, if God can create the whole world, what have we got to fear? <laughs> if he's that powerful, everything that we're facing is easy for him. God, you're creator. God, you are ruler. And they actually quote from Psalm 2. And uh, you can turn there if you want. And I would encourage you to read it later. Psalm 2, David's psalm. They use his words you know, why are the nations raging and you know, why are the kings of the earth so opposed to the Lord? And then it says in Psalm 2 that the Lord himself will laugh from heaven. God's going to laugh. Because like as if, you know, I'm worried about the kings of this world. As if I'm worried about, you know, losing control of the planet. No, God's never going to be in that situation because he is the ruler. And then we see this prayer talking about God is sovereign. Now, there's a little clue for that in the beginning of the prayer at verse number 24 when it says, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord. And we all know that word, Lord, right? It's a beautiful word, Lord. Except this time, it's a different use of the word. It's the word, it's the word despotes, not curios. Curios is the normal word for Lord in the New Testament. But this is despotes, and it means sovereign. One who is ultimately in charge of everything. That there's nothing that he doesn't see, there's nothing he can't handle, and he's in full control. So they start their prayer this way. Despotes, we get the word despot from that. Sovereign, here we are. You're the one who created heaven and earth. Lord, you know what's going on in our lives. And then they pray for accessibility. I don't know if you noticed this. 
but they eventually cry out. They say, now, Lord, can you say that with me? Now, Lord, look on their threats. Now, Lord, meaning in this imminent moment, in this very minute, this is not a prayer for, you know, like down the road, Lord, if you're good to us, we'll be okay. Please answer our prayer for Aunt Martha. And next time I see her, I'll tell her I was praying for her. This is not that kind of prayer. This is an instantaneous prayer. Like now, Lord, now, right in this moment, in this very hour, God, we need access to you through Jesus. And we have that access because he was crucified and raised from the dead and we have his spirit living in us. And then it's all powerful. That's seen in those compelling words, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform mighty signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You're all powerful, God. You can do amazing things. I'll tell you what, when you build your prayer life under this kind of model, under sovereign supplication, you're gonna be able to face anything. This is not like one of those, oh God, if it be thy will, you know, like I know you're busy, you have a planet to run, but Lord, here is my meager request. No, this is an intense prayer. It's like, Lord, right now, right here, right now, this moment, Jesus, in your name, we're calling upon you to stretch forth your hand. We're calling upon you to show yourself wonderful and full of power and full of goodness. This prayer comes from the throne room. This is praying that starts at a higher level than ground level praying. And you know, we shouldn't be surprised at that because this is how the disciples were taught to pray, right? When Jesus answered their question, teach us to pray, Lord, how do we pray? He said, do this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, in heaven. And, and the way that that's structured in the original language is in terse language. It kind of goes like this in reality. Kingdom come now. Will of God as it is in heaven be done on earth now. Can you get a little intense with me here? Can you help me out? We got to get a little bit amped because that's how the prayer is, is written. This is not a passive prayer. This is not a politically correct prayer. This is, this is not a pathetic prayer. This is a penetrating prayer. It reaches into the realm of God and his realm in heaven, and it brings down to earth what is needed in the hour. When we pray, we're called to pray from that perspective. So what kind of people is God looking for? He's looking for people who will access heaven. That's you and me. <laughs> Whenever you pray for your finances, when you look at your bank account and you go, I can't make the rent, or there's a problem in your family or in your marriage, or you're struggling physically or emotionally, or you're battling through depression or anxiety, maybe you've experienced some rejection in your life and you gotta embrace this opportunity, you can say, God, now, oh God, now, not next week, now. And I believe the Lord will flood you with his grace and touch your life in a profound way. Can I share with you out of my own journey here a little bit? Is that okay? Can I let you into my inner world just a little bit? There's a, there's a passage in the Bible I've been stuck in for four years. 
Hebrews 4, verses 14 and following. It's this passage that just will not let me go. And I keep going back to it. I was reading it again last night. And it says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And we know that there's three levels of heaven, right? There's the first level, which is like our sky. Second heaven, which is angels and demons at work. And then there's third heaven, which is the throne room. It says we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Hold it fast. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Amen? Who would agree we've got some weaknesses? I've got some weaknesses. And my high priest, he can relate to me. He has felt those weaknesses, yet without sin. But he understands our weaknesses. He understands our human struggles. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here's the clincher, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We come boldly to that throne. We access it through Jesus Christ. We're seated there in heavenly places, the Bible says, in Christ. We access the throne room of God through Jesus Christ. We come boldly to that realm. Not in reluctance, not in fear, not in hesitation. But with the courage of the Lord, based on his finished work on the cross, his death for our unrighteousness, our sins, his resurrection for our newness in him, which baptism celebrates, we come out of that perspective. We come from that identity as new people in Christ. We lay hold of heaven. It's crazy awesome, right? It's just amazing. So that's a little bit of my own life. I pray that over myself all the time. I'm like, here I go, here I go. I'm gonna come boldly to the throne of grace today. I'm gonna come boldly to the throne of grace this morning. I'm gonna come boldly to the throne of grace right now and next week and on Wednesday and on next Sunday. I'm coming to the throne room boldly, boldly to obtain mercy when I need it and to find grace. You gotta look for it. I gotta find grace to help me in my time of need. Am I the only one who does stuff like that? Well, I hope not. I hope I'm in the midst of people who are doing the same thing. I think we, we're, we're doing the same thing. God is looking for people who will access heaven. That's you. You can access heaven for anything that you're facing. But you got to look up. Right? i got to do this myself. I'm faced with a situation, a challenge on the earthly level. You know, we always want to look right at that problem and go, oh, what a problem it is. And we dive into the problem. But you know what you got to do first? Look up. Okay, God, I need your perspective on this problem because you're going to give me the strength I need and the wisdom I need for this problem. You're going to give me the power I need to solve this issue, God. So I look up and then I look down. God's amazing. It's just it's we participate with him. He just loves us accessing this realm. One last thing I want to share here with you, and that is God is looking for people who are willing to be bold. That word shows up three times in this little passage. God's looking for bold people. He's looking for people of courage. 
The word boldness here means fearless, openly confident, blunt, and people of unreservedness. I mean, like, this is a word for Canadian believers, I think. You know, like, can we just throw off a little bit of that, that reservedness and get into unreservedness? Which means as you're listening to someone, you think they're either a little bit crazy or they know something I don't know. And maybe it's in between. Boldness. It's, it's got this joyful bluntness, and you see it in Peter and John. I mean, they're there, and they're being bold right away. They're being bold in a toxic culture. And you need to catch this, that boldness is something they thought they needed more of. It says in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I mean, they looked at them, they went, these guys are bold. Right, because you can tell when people are bold. You can just see it on them. You can see boldness on people, right? And they're like, these guys are bold. But then later on, when they get into the prayer room, we read this, Acts chapter 4 at verse 29. Let's just take a look at it. This is the peak of the prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So here's the bold guy saying, Lord, we don't think we're that bold. Give us more boldness. <laughs> and boldness got them into trouble. Boldness will keep them from trouble. Boldness will keep them right in the safest place to be, which is the will of God. Boldness. Can we have some holy boldness back in the church? I think we're getting it back, and I think it's here to stay. And I want to notice this with you, that this boldness doesn't come from psychological gymnastics in the mind. This is not like, well, if you just really, you know, say the right things and, and pretend that you're bold, you'll actually be bold. Well, you know, I don't think that that's what's going on here. This is a boldness that comes from the filling of the Spirit. Look at it. They were all filled with the Spirit, and then it says, they spoke the word of God boldly. So the boldness didn't come from them. The boldness came from God's presence in their life through Jesus. It came from the Holy Spirit. And man, we could have a whole message here on what it means to be filled the second time, right? This is the second filling of the Spirit mentioned in the book of Acts. First one, Acts 2, Holy Spirit comes on day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit's poured out. Everybody in the upper room gets the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Awesome, pivotal, foundational. We've gone through that message. It's essential that all of us get baptized in the Holy Spirit. All, all of us. But here we find two chapters later, they're getting filled again. <laughs> Which means they needed it. It's just God's design. And I gotta remind myself when I see things like this, it's not just about the baptism of the Spirit, as important as that is. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But if I camp out in yesterday's experiences with God, I won't have the boldness that I need for the challenges that are right in front of me. We need another filling. Maybe you need another filling. Maybe, maybe the filling of the Spirit is ready for you right now. Every day is filling day. 
Even this morning, I, out in my prayer walk, I'm like, God, fill me with your spirit for preaching today. Give me your anointing for this, God. Let this be a moment where people encounter your presence, where your glory is manifested. So I just encourage you to say yes to the next filling. Maybe it'll happen for you in the next few moments. But boldness and courage are the virtues needed for the hour, especially in our country, where the Canadian church has gotten a little bit weird, a little bit weak, and a little bit woke. It's time to wake up, right? It's time to wake up, and it's going to take boldness to wake up for some people, some believers. They're going to have to shake off fear. They're going to have to step out of caution and kind of hesitation, and they're going to have to reclaim a holy boldness from God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Take a look at this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. No fear. And that word fear is the word for cowardiceness. God does not give us a spirit that makes us cowards. But in Jesus, we have a holy boldness. Now, I want to say this. It doesn't mean that we don't, we're not loving. It doesn't mean that we're not humble. You can be humble and bold at the same time in biblical world. And we ought to be. But when it's time for boldness, we've got to say yes to it. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Think about what Jesus had to embrace when it came to boldness to go to the cross. Think about how bold he was. At age 30, going to Golgotha, carrying the wooden cross on his back till he collapsed, and then going all the way through with crucifixion, Shedding his blood for our sins. Think about that boldness. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne room of God. It took his boldness to save me, to save you, to save anyone who turns to him. It took boldness, boldness in suffering, boldness in redemption. Now, there's a verse here I want to share with you that is one of my favorites out of the Old Testament. It's Proverbs 28, verse 1, and it goes like this. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Can you say that with me? Bold as a lion. Okay, so what do lions do? They roar. They do other things, but we know them primarily as those big cats that roar. Do you know why lions roar? Not because they're bored. Well, I asked the internet why lions roar, and here's what I found this morning. It says this, in fact, the power and tone of a lion's roar helps to distinguish the cat from others of its genus. I guess that means gender. Roaring is a way to gauge strength. For example, a strong guttural roar from a male lion is not only attractive to lionesses, but it helps to indicate his overall prowess. Lions will use their roar to ward off potential intruders and to protect their territory and their pride. That means their, their tribe. Sometimes they'll even roar as a way of talking with other lions, and their roars can reach up to... 114 decibels, the same noise level as a chainsaw or a snowmobile. Oh. 
they roar. <laughs> and when a, a lion is roaring, the lion is basically saying, I'm here. This is my territory. Enemy, back off. All those that I'm about to come and conquer, I'm serving you notice. That's why a lion roars. And I think it's a kind of a really kind of interesting picture of what it would be like to connect that to our discipleship. Because the righteous are as bold as a lion. They're bold people. And when you're walking in triumphal procession in Christ, whoo, you're a lion. You're a lioness. And you can roar and you can say, hey, I'm here. This is my territory. Enemy, back off right now. That's biblical. All of it. I'm here. I'm present. I'm with God. He's in me. My body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has made a home in my life. I'm here. I'm with his kingdom. The kingdom of God is within me. I'm here. This is my territory. Really? Yeah. I don't mean in a weird way where it's like you own all the houses around this region. I don't mean that. I mean spiritually, you're walking in your own territory. Joshua 1.3, right? Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you. Every place that you go to. And I love that verse in Romans 5.17. It says that we are reigning in life in Jesus Christ. So you can, you can actually get into this posture when you're facing a struggle, when the enemy's coming at you, because I'm sure that you have experienced that. The enemy comes at you. He comes at you with oppression, with distractions, with, with intimidation, you know, with temptation. And you can say, hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. This is my territory. Back off, enemy. Back off in the name of Jesus. Get behind me. Get behind me. I'm not listening to you. And I serve you notice that you are already defeated. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. Bold people experience radical breakthroughs. Radical, radical breakthroughs. They're the people that feel the place shaking after they pray. Why? Because their boldness is getting released. God's looking for bold people. And I think if we can grasp this, we can realize that we're actually living in a time when boldness is very, very necessary. And invite our worship team to come on up here. Can I share with you guys a story out of my own life with a caveat? Please don't do this at home, okay? Especially for anybody under 18. I'm not saying this was a good example. It's just an example. Parents filter it, use wisdom. But this actually happened in my life, and I'm... I'm kind of thinking I, I kind of liked it. So 10 years ago, 2014 or so, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm working on my doctoral program, Fuller Seminary. I'm there for a course, and I have a night off. And I'm one of those people, I like culture, man. I, I, I love seeing other culture. I like other music. I like other food. I like seeing art in other cultures, the way people dance or the way they sing. All of that just fascinates me. And I'm in Los Angeles, and I'm like, I'm going to do a cultural plunge into L.A. And I've done them many times. I go right downtown and walk all the streets. So around this time in my life, I was paying attention to some rap music. And 
You know, um, I've always really liked rap secretly, but kind of held myself back a little bit from it. And uh, my son is a, is a rapper, Brandon Isfeld. He, he, he writes rap music. Split C's is his label. And he, I believe he's a rising rap star for Christ. And I, I thought, you know, back then, my son was 10 years younger. I knew he was into rap. I got to understand rap. Someday I just want to go to a rap place. So I'm downtown Los Angeles somewhere, and um, I'm walking by, and I wasn't thinking about rap music, but I heard some music coming out of a bar. You know, the... And I'm like, this might be a rap joint. So I'm thinking, why don't you go in? I thought, no, what's a 50-year-old guy from Canada doing in a, in a rap place in LA? I'm like, no. It took me about 20 seconds. And I thought, no, I'm here. This is my territory. I'm going to be protected. I'm going to go in and I'm going to experience LA rap. Here I go, right? So I come to the front there, and there's some big dudes there. They're really big. They got gold chains. They got T-shirts with no sleeves. You know what I mean? They're all buffed, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, hey. And they're like, they just stare at me like, homie white boy from Canada. I said, hey, I always wanted to experience rap. Can I go in there? And they just, they looked at me, and they just didn't even answer. So I took that as a yes. Good. Doors are opening. Favor of God. Here we go. I go in there. The place is packed. Wall to wall people. Strobe lights. I rush all the way to the front and there's a guy rapping out there like crazy, man. And I'm up there rapping and then I'm praying, Lord, I don't know if the words are honoring to you, but you know my heart, you know. <laughs> cleanse, cleanse my ears, my heart, Jesus. I just want to experience rap. I did that for a few minutes and then reality hit me where I was and I said, I'm out back out on the street and I laughed my head off I think that was one of my best moments and all it took was 20 seconds of insane faith filled risk that's all it took because everywhere we go God is with us what are we afraid of what are we afraid of I mean, he who went to the, to, to the death for us, who went into the tombs for us, he who went down in the grave for us and experienced that, what are we afraid of if he conquered it all? I remember a movie that came out 20 years ago. I think it was called We Bought a Zoo. A guy loses his wife and they don't know what to do. So as a family, they go and buy a zoo. And apparently someone asked him, why'd you do that? He said, it just took 20 seconds of insane, courageous risk. And it was one of their best decisions. I wanna say this to all of us. We're on the verge of great things in our own lives. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it in the country? Can you feel it? God's working in amazing ways. And it's gonna require boldness in the people to not miss out on what God is doing in this hour. 20 seconds and you can decide to join that 20 seconds of insane faith filled risk can bring us all the way into the movement of God 20 seconds was probably as long as it took for Jonathan and the armor bearer to climb up the cliff and face the Philistines saying if God is with us 
will win, if not, will die. 20 seconds is probably all Peter had to decide, will I walk on water or not? Lord, if it's you, call me to you. Come on, he says. And in 20 seconds, Peter steps out of a boat, walks on water, and meets with the Lord. 20 seconds, Peter and John go to the temple. They've seen this guy here before, this guy that's been lame from birth. They've seen him there every single day. They probably grew up knowing he was there. But that day, there was a, there was a decision of boldness. Peter comes up to him and says, look on us. Look at us. Silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter stretches out his hand and lifts the guy up. And God is glorified because of boldness used by his people. Friends, God is looking for people who are willing to be faithful. He's looking for people who want to access heaven and will keep accessing the realm of heaven. And he's looking for people who are willing to be bold. And I want to invite you to stand. We're going to just sing just for a moment here. We're going to just declare God's faithfulness to do this work in our lives. Just join in and let this be your decision today. Come on, I'm calling you to something. I'm calling you to something. Come on, I'm calling you to something. Maybe some of you want to come up and here to the front. I'm calling you up here. I'm calling you up here to nail it down. To say, God, I will be faithful. I will be faithful, God. And I will access heaven. And I am willing to be made bolder than I've ever been before. Come on up here as we sing. Jesus, I'm receiving from you. 
and those of you standing at your chair, wherever you are, this is a moment. This is a moment for God to touch you with his Holy Spirit, to pour into you a boldness that you've never had before. A new resiliency, a new anointing for courage, for strength, for faithfulness, to access the realm of heaven without hindrance. So just pray with me right now. Just cry out to the Lord in your own heart with your own words. Lord, I receive right now what you're giving me. I receive an anointing for boldness. I receive an anointing for freshness from your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill me just like you did in Acts 4. Come and fill me. Come and fill me. I yield my life to you. I surrender myself to you. I humble myself before you, Lord, and I say, in you I can do all things. Not in my strength, but in yours. And God, you're gonna give me strength. So Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon everyone who's standing here. Can I just get our lead team members to sprinkle through the crowd here, lay hands on people and bless them? Lead team members, ministry team people, just move around and briefly lay hands on those who are standing here and bless them. Holy Spirit, would you move upon them as they're prayed for, as they're touched? Holy Spirit, would you strengthen them? <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank the Lord for what he's given you right now. Just say, Jesus, thank you. It's a now moment, Lord. It's a now moment. I'm receiving from you right now. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, God. You're touching me. Jesus. For those of you who are here, maybe you're right in this room or you're watching online and you've never yet given your life to Jesus. This is your day. As Pastor Greg said earlier, this is your day. And if you'd like to trust him to become your Lord and Savior, begin a new life with him, I want you to pray these words to him with me right now, okay? Make a decision, right? Here we go. You say these words to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. I believe in you. I put my hope in you. I repent of my sins. Forgive me and cleanse me. Change me, God. Change me. Let me be the person that you created me to be. I welcome you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me and really meant it, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to bless you. Yeah. Over here, anyone else? Yeah, over here, it's awesome. Anyone else? Yeah, over here, yeah, I see you. God bless you. Wow, there's probably some others, it's a little hard to see, but if you have received Jesus, I want you to just to receive this blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, all those who prayed to receive Christ, let the seal of the Holy Spirit come upon them now and strengthen them, Lord. Pour your joy on them, your love upon them. Build them up, Lord. Let the great adventure begin for their lives as they follow you now in Jesus' name. 
Friends, I hope that you celebrate your decision to follow Jesus. Let someone know about it. Let us celebrate with you as a church. Come and talk to us. Okay. How do you guys want to end? The roar? I like that. We were hearing about lions today. It would be kind of a miss if we didn't roar. So, you know what? Get yourself ready. On the count of three, we're going to roar and thank Jesus. And we're going to say he's with us. The righteous are as bold as a lion, right? That's you and me. We're bold in Jesus. We're not afraid. All right. So in the name of Jesus, we're going to roar. Ready? Three, two, one. Yes, Jesus! Woo! Yes. Let's give him praise. Woo! Yeah. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.